This message comes from NPR sponsor Chobani Oat, made to taste just like milk. It's creamy, frothy, and great with coffee and cookies, but without the dairy, because it's not milk. It's almost milk. New Chobani Oat. Hi, this is Linda Holmes from Pop Culture Happy Hour. We want you to support your local station and support us at donate.npr.org happy. We'll be back a little later in the show to tell you more about that. Welcome to Pop Culture Happy Hour. I'm Linda Holmes. Every year, we look back on our resolutions for the year and how we did, and we make new ones for the year to come. We also make some pop culture predictions for things we think might be on the way. Plus, we'll see how our predictions for 2017 panned out. With us, as always, is NPR Music's Stephen Thompson. Hey, Stephen. Hello, Linda. And also with us is Glenn Weldon of NPR's Arts Desk. Hey, Glenn. Hey, Linda. And returning for her third time in what's becoming a tradition for our resolutions and prediction show is Kat Chow of NPR's Code Switch team. Hey, Kat. Hey, Linda. Now, the first thing that we want to do is we want to talk about the resolutions that we made for 2017 and see how they went. Traditionally, as always, this begins with Stephen Thompson. <laughs> Looking the back, failures. here is your resolution for 2017. So rather than your, your vague platitudes, I will write something for publication every workday in 2017. Oh I will, my gosh. I will keep, wow, that's ambitious. I will keep a count and I will hit 250 bylines, just pieces of writing in 2017. All right. So, Stephen, how did it go? First of all, amazingly, I nailed this one. I did keep a count. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and what did the count tell you? Uh, it said 179. That's well, still that's, a lot. That's really good. You know, the, Even so. It's also, we're taping this, truth be told, not an, on December 31st. Exactly. There are a bunch more pieces still in the hopper. Uh-huh. I would say 200 is unlikely, 250 impossible. Right. But, but, but you wrote a lot. I did write a lot. And I tried, in general, the idea was to put my head down and contribute mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and just do as much of what I do as I can. Yeah. We did a lot of podcasting, mm-hmm. put a lot out there. Yeah. Didn't quite hit that, like, write something every day kind of milestone. Yeah. But I generated a lot. Do you have a sense of how much more than last year you did or you're in the running for again? I definitely did more than the previous year. I, I, by nice. 50%, by 20%. I, I'd say probably by... 50%. Excellent. Probably 30 to 50%. Mm-hmm. So that's something. I wish I had resolved uh, that I would have the Green Bay Packers make a documentary about me. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> you should have done that. All right. So what's on your docket for 2018? What is your resolution? Uh, I have teenagers and I have. (laughs) Go on. Go on. I have teenagers and I have pop culture blind spots. Uh, In 2018, I would like to try to bring those two things together and experience some of my pop culture blind spots with my kids, which means that I'm going to set a modest goal of once every two weeks, I will watch a horror movie with my daughter. And once every two weeks, probably alternating weeks, I will play a video game with my son. Nice. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. So like he is a really, really big gamer. He's particularly like a Nintendo Switch guy. He loves his Breath of the Wild. He loves his Mario Odyssey. I want to participate in some of those games with him as a way of not only getting caught up on the way that video games have evolved over the years, but also just as a way of sharing his love. Same goes for my daughter and horror movies. We recently sat down to watch It together. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I just... 
appreciated that opportunity to kind of combine uh, getting a work responsibility out of the way with parental bonding. This is a good time when they're teenagers to step up uh, opportunities to bond, and this is a way to do that. That's going to be a lot of horror movies for yeah. you. It's going to be a lot, a lot of horror, of horror movies. We'll That's 26 horror movies a year. That's not that many. There are a lot of good horror movies. Yeah, you throw a good uh, survival horror video game in there. Two birds, one stone. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. have, uh, have a week off. Thank you very much, Stephen Thompson. All right, Glenn Weldon, let's check on your 2017 resolution. Oh, boy. I'm about, I think, to launch into a, a big writing project, uh, the precise dimensions of which are still coalescing. But because of that, I'm going to need some more uh, random access memory. I'm going to need to defragment my mental hard drive. So I'm going to cut back on Twitter. Now, I am on Twitter a tremendous lot, so me cutting back even by 70% puts me right about baseline with the normal humanity, uh-huh. uh, but I'm still going to do it. Uh, you, we talked before about how something about Twitter for me scratches the same itch that writing does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels like writing. It's not writing. Uh-huh. Uh, it scratches the same itch that comedy does. It feels like comedy, but it's not comedy. You're not really risking anything. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I, I also found that I was starting to, when I would open Twitter, I would go to my notifications first before like looking at the the world around me and that I don't want to be that guy my inner Calvinist sort of rebels against that so (laughs) I went into this as a writing exercise can I write a B minus dad joke in 140 characters and that muscle has gotten about as jacked as it's ever going to get. Right. A Pretty good plus? muscle. Yeah, you're A plus say, dad jokes. You're, you're very kind. They're so I'm, good. I'm joining. I'm joining our listening public in mourning. No, this, no, no, this, no, no, uh, no. This, no, this, this is this is this is healthy for the world, and it's healthy for me. I mean, I can do that now with a regularity that one might call metamucilian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one probably wouldn't, but one might. Uh, so I don't. I don't think I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna. I, I can't go cold turkey because I do. I do find seventy percent. That's pretty. There's good. still. I, I, there's still Bloomsday. I mean, still Bloomsday. Still certain. Yes, and certain uh, venerable holiday traditions. I was mm-hmm. gonna say on the holidays you'll you'll at least yeah. bust it out. We'll see. We'll see. But that's that's my resolution, and it's measurable. So Glenn Weldon, <laughs> I feel like I know how this went, but I'm gonna ask you, how did it go? I, what is the word? Failed. No, that's not the word. Uh, We need a word stronger than failed. I fiascoed. I, Mm -hmm. it's like I failed while slipping on a banana peel and vomiting on myself and experiencing projectile diarrhea is the extent to which, how consummately (laughs) I failed. Now, in my defense. It was a tough year, and that tiny little endorphin right. buzz you get right. was yeah. uh, was 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 needed. But I still titanicked. I still <laughs> wisoed. Well, the, I the, failed. The funny thing is, you had said at the time that your muscle for being funny in 140 characters was about as jacked as it was going to get. They really got you this year because now Ooh. it's 280. So yeah. now you have a, a whole other that. world to explore. Nope. Although I know you try not to. I try not to because I mean, again. You're right. The flimsy, self-deluded rationalization I clung to was, Mm -hmm. it's a writing exercise. Yeah. Uh, It is no longer a writing exercise. It's it's Mm -hmm. very easy. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, failed. Failed big time. (laughs) Fair enough. It wouldn't be a real resolution if it weren't possible and plausible to fail, in my opinion. (laughs) If if your resolution were a tweet, it would be a gif of a dumpster on fire. Exactly. There you go. Well, Glenn Weldon, what is your resolution for 2018? It's not strictly a pop culture resolution because we've seen how I do with those. Mm-hmm. I fail them. No, this is a personal resolution that is inspired directly by many properties in popular culture, including 
Stranger Things, including uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, including the very wonderful comic Paper Girls, which I've recommended on this show before. And it's uh, it's especially recommended because, let's be honest, by Call Me By Your Name. In the year 2018, I am going to learn how to ride a bicycle. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I was a container shock. I was an indoorsy kid. Uh, <laughs> didn't get out much. Didn't have, what was the term? Uh, friends. Didn't have mm-hmm. friends. So I mm-hmm. kind of stayed in, and I, I just never learned. Well, that's not true, because one summer when I was 10, I was staying with my grandparents on their farm in Georgetown, Delaware. Nothing against Georgetown, Delaware, but it is not a hotbed of activity for those under 12. So I decided... I'm going to check this box. I'm going to learn this skill. So I went to their garage and I rode this really dumpy old bike up and down their driveway for an entire afternoon until I learned how to ride a bike. And then I was like, done, right? Box checked. There's a whole saying about this. That saying is a lie. (laughs) That saying (laughs) is just being sold to you by big adage. I don't exactly know (laughs) who's... Big bike. (laughs) Big bike. I don't know. Because (laughs) cut to seven years later, I go to college on the tip of Long Island near the ocean. And one day, some wag in the very first semester says, let's go down to the bike shed and get some bikes and ride down to the beach. And I thought to myself at the time, I hate most of the words in that sentence. None of that sentence sounds like me, but it's college. It's the first semester. I'm going to try. Maybe I don't be the guy I've been. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm I'm more fun-loving, and maybe I'm a guy who rides a bike down to a beach. <laughs> so they hop on their schwins, and I fetch this bike out of the shed, and I proceed to hop on it and chase after them and go in a circle, and then another circle, and ever diminishing circle <laughs> until Such I fall on my butt. Was the kickstand still down? Uh, possibly. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know from gears. I don't know what these things are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so um, uh, that I put that dumb bike away. And never look back because I was lied to by society. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And and so now I'm going to be spending a little bit more time down in Miami where, yes, the downside of that is the people are, are terrible drivers. <laughs> so it's dangerous. Right. But it is also flat, endless mm-hmm. flatness. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, inspired by that, I'm going to learn how to ride a bike. And then I'm going to get myself a blousy shirt and uh, short shorts and just become more languid. Yeah. <laughs> Learning to ride a bike. Thank you very much, Glenn Weldon. Cat Chow. Let's look back mm-hmm. at 2017, your resolution. <sighs> I think in 2017, I want to leave my apartment more and enjoy what this city has to offer. Yes. So go to more shows, go to more author readings, not hole up in the winter forever and the entirety of 2017, because I feel like a lot of us are going to be inclined to do that. And just kind of not be on Twitter so much. Boy, this was a popular. Uh, this was a popular idea for 2017. Yeah, Kat, how did you do with that oh 2017 resolution? God. I did so bad. I feel like I never left my apartment except for hobbies that I forced myself to take on. You know, I uh, signed up for like ceramics classes, for Spanish classes, and I went to the occasional show and I went to the occasional reading. But I feel like I just stayed indoors and huddled up, especially in recent months through all of this news about sexual harassment, where it really felt relentless. And in staying indoors, I, you know, turned to my other favorite activity, which is tweeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Glenn, I failed miserably where I developed insomnia and would just find myself reading Twitter, you know, at two or three in the morning and yeah, do just it. not do doing, it. Yeah. Not doing well. Yeah, you know, but I have to say, Kat, 
I think any year when you have signed up for ceramics classes and Spanish classes, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you can't really say that you didn't follow That's the right. resolution to kind of get out more and do more things. The truth of the matter is there's a lot of time in anyone's schedule. And I feel like even if you don't feel like you did everything you wanted to, I feel like this is this is you got at least like a B. On yeah, this you resolution. got a partial credit yeah. for sure. Yeah, B's okay. At least the, partial yeah, season. The, the only useful metric for a resolution is comparing yourself to last year, right? You've made a mm-hmm. choice that oh, I will do more or less or whatever mm-hmm. than right. last year. So by that metric, you succeeded. It's pass fail as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's good. I think I failed the Twitter part, but that's okay. I think I don't think it's reasonable to expect to be able to stay off that thing right now. Well, and the other thing is Glenn pointed out and I think he's right, that it has been a year to treasure your small bursts of merriment or whatever it, mm-hmm. it brings to you. So if you can get past the parts of it that are enormously unpleasant, there is a side of it that's very social and things like that that can be a lot of fun. So I don't blame you for that. So 2018, Kat Chow, what is your resolution for next year? So for 2018, I want to start making serious moves on this writing project that I've been working on for a while now, a project that kind of merges grief and what it means to be Asian American. I just kind of want to get my butt moving on that and start, you know, thinking about it much, much more seriously. And on that same sort of line of thinking, I've realized that I've stopped writing for myself. I've stopped, you know, journaling at the end of each day and the times that I do open up a Google Doc or a page and I start typing or, you know, using a pen is when I want to do something that I think will be published somewhere. And I think that puts a lot of pressure on the way I think about things and the risks that I take for writing. And so I kind of want to just be able to experiment more. Mm -hmm. And then another thing I want to do is I just want to start reading more poetry. There are so many great poets out there that I know nothing about. And I just started recently reading poetry by Carlina Dwan, who wrote a, a recent book of poetry that came out called I Wore My Blackest Hair. And that's kind of gotten me hooked. And so I just want to do more of that in 2018. Wonderful. And I want to single out one thing, though, Kat. You're talking here about your writing for publication and things like that. But I want to say I also have very much enjoyed the work that you've been doing with your kind of like doodle uh, (laughs) notes on Instagram and things. Thank you. I very much enjoy those. If you follow Kat on Instagram, Kat, what's your Instagram handle? It's Kat Chow with an underscore at the end. Kat Chow with an underscore at the end. Thanks, Linda. I'm going to do more of that, too, I think. I am part host and part encourager. <laughs> so, so she this, is, is the, this is the best. This is the cat affirmation hour. <laughs> this is like the best dreams. resolution. It's a great one. All right. It's time for me. My resolution for 2017. Oh, here it goes. Yeah, come on. I'm going to finish my novel that I'm writing. Mm -hmm. I think you will. Glenn made me the other day stop saying I'm working on this novel project. He said, just say you're writing a novel. It's a novel. The thing that is really fun about this project is that I have no idea whether I can do it or not. Mm -hmm. And it has, I admit, been a while since I did a new thing that I genuinely think it's like 50-50 I can do it or I can't do it. And I honestly have no idea. I'm not like well-trained in fiction like Glenn is necessarily. It's a fascinating thing to really honestly, for the first time since I was, you know, earlier in my career, feel like there's a good chance that I cannot do the thing that I'm aspiring to do, but I aspire to do it. So I'm going to decide to finish it. So that's A. And the other one is actually 
also a writing resolution, which is I want to write a piece of criticism or reaction to something new every week. I'm not going to say every day I'm going to have a byline like Crazy Pants Thompson. I write a lot of short stuff for NPR Music. (laughs) I'm talking about like write a significant thing about something new that I've never written about before. Like no, just going back and like writing about the same things. One new thing a week in 2017 at least. Boy, this is what I get for having an A and a B. (laughs) Uh, I have to say, I'm going to do B first. I did not do that at all. I did not write nearly as much criticism as I wanted to. So this is one of these that you can consider to be, you know, just re-upped for 2018. Mm -hmm. It just carries over because I didn't really do it. However, Uh I wrote the novel. Yes, you did. And I sold it. Yes, you did. It's going to be published in early 2019. Yep. So So exciting. Also, not for nothing, it's great. And about Glenn, that thing? Glenn did read it. I circulated it yeah. among my pop culture happy hour panelists anyway. Yeah, and one, one more of my resolutions is I'll read them. Oh, <laughs> Has it. Hasn't read it. It's okay. <laughs> Every time I start reading it, there's a new draft. But you know what? Seriously, it really was meaningful and helpful to put that stake in the ground that I was going to do mm. it. And I think if you have a big project, it really can be helpful to commit to doing it in a way where you don't just make it something that you're thinking about inside your own head. And it was funny to hear myself mention the fact that Glenn had encouraged me to just go ahead and say that you're doing this and stop kind of horsing around about it and just (laughs) say that you're doing it, which meant something. Uh Um, And it was an incredibly satisfying experience so far. (laughs) We'll see what happens when more people uh, when more people have seen it. We will see whether it's still satisfying. And Uh I do want to say, Linda, I feel like you just you had so much momentum going with this. And it was so exciting to see you sell the book. I think it was like much earlier in the year, right? At least a couple of months ago. Summer, yeah. Summer, I sold summer. It in the summer, yeah. That was only, you know, six months after we made these resolutions. And so I remember when I saw that, I was like, ah, she's going to have so much to say. In oh, I've, I've been <laughs> waiting for year. this. <laughs> I've been can, waiting for this show for a long I can time. Vouch yeah, for that, have. yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about 2018 for me. I realized that many of my pop culture resolutions, particularly that I want to watch more things, that I want to critique more things, that I want to broaden the the variety of voices that I'm listening to. A lot of those things rely on me starting by being conscious of what it is that I'm taking in. And there's a lot of times when I think, gosh, what have I watched this week? What am I watching right now? And I can't tell you how often somebody says to me, you're a professional at this. What are you watching or reading or seeing that you like right now? And I think, I can't think of anything. (laughs) So my resolution this year is a really simple one, which is that I'm going to try to keep a kind of a diary of what I'm reading and watching and liking so that when I want to look back and say, how am I doing? How much have I seen? Uh, and what have I really loved that I have something to look back on. You always got to start with the information. That's what I say. So that's my big resolution for this year. All right, we're going to take a little break. But when we come back, it's going to be time to talk about our predictions from last year, whether they panned out, and what our predictions are for this coming year. So come right back. Support for NPR and the following message come from Netflix's Contoto, presenting Brown Love, a new podcast that aims to bring together the best and brightest of Latino Hollywood to get real about the industry and all the things Latinx communities are talking about on your timeline. Each week, the show features a roundtable of Latino actors, including Diane Guerrero from Orange is the New Black and Jessica Marie Garcia from On My Block. New episodes of Brown Love drop every Tuesday. Subscribe now where you listen to podcasts. 
Welcome back to Pop Culture Happy Hour. We have already covered our resolutions from last year and our resolutions for this year. Now it's time for our predictions. Every year we go out on a limb and make usually terrible (laughs) predictions for the coming year. The first thing we're going to do, several of us had Oscar predictions for uh, 2017. So we're going to go back and look at how our Oscar predictions went. I think La La Land is going to win Best Picture because Hollywood loves itself and life is unfair. Moonlight's going to do really well at the Oscars, I hope. I mean, this is also a hopeful thing. I think and hope that Barry Jenkins might have a shot at Best Director. My Oscars prediction is that contrary to what some of you uh, have expressed that you believe in the past, I do not necessarily think La La Land is going to win Best Picture. I think it peaked too early. I don't think the reviews have been quite strong enough. And I think it's the one that goes in as a favorite and then fades Mm. in the stretch, which is a very common Oscars pattern. I think what's going to surge going into awards season is hidden figures. Talk about getting a B. (laughs) Talk about taking the exam pass fail. Now, I want to point out that for like two seconds, I was absolutely right. (laughs) You were. And then Kat was right. I was never right. Except the thing that drives me crazy is that for most of Oscar season, I was the one saying, La La Land peaked too soon. Not going to win. Going to fade. And at the very last minute, if you kept track of me through Oscar season, (laughs) at the very last minute, I was like, no, you know what? It is going to be La La Land. Oh, man. Just stuck to it. Because by the end, I was thinking, you know, my fade theory eventually turned to it's going to be, you know, Moonlight. But then I I took it back like three days before the Oscars. I I lost my nerve. I was so close. But the closest one of us was Cat Chow. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels good. Feels good. That's right. Continuing the cat chow <laughs> affirmation hour. Cat <laughs> was definitely the closest. But we did make other predictions. We're going to start with Stephen Thompson's prediction for 2017. All right. So I wanted to do a bunch of little kind of plausible predictions. I want to get something right in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everything will be beautiful and no one will die. But the minute someone does, we will blame 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, It will be 2017's fault. I think Taylor Swift will release the top-selling album, but it will come with a twist. I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe she will perform all the songs via hologram. (laughs) I think Guardians of the Galaxy 2 will be the year's top-grossing movie. Uh, Movies are are slow to make, so that perfect piece of escapism can't be made in time to match our collective fatigue as a society. I think in 2017, America will fall in love with a TV show, and the metric I'm going to come up with here is dumber than Wipeout. Huh. Wow. There's a lot of nope in there. There's a a fair amount of nope in there. You know, I wanted quantifiable. Mm -hmm. Well, first, uh, people have blamed 2017 for a lot of things. I don't know if deaths were really one of them. (laughs) But but it has continued to be a thing where every year we say Every year we say But go ahead. Taylor Swift did put out an album in 2017. It is called Reputation. It is the top-selling album of 2017, and it came with a big twist, which is that no one likes Taylor Swift anymore. <laughs> so, that is not true. No, if that, you are course, out there and you love Taylor Swift. Obviously, that is not true, as evidenced by the fact that it is the top-selling album of the year. I know. Um, 
Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was, in fact, the third highest grossing movie of 2017 behind Beauty and the Beast and Wonder Woman, something mm-hmm. we hadn't dared to predict. No. And I don't know about a TV show, Dumber Than Wipeout. I'm sure that one exists. But I, I think if you knew more about basic cable, you would know that there are things out there dumber than Wipeout. Uh, Stephen, is there anything fundamentally, is there a twist on the Taylor Swift album? Is, she, like, is, it, an, is it an attitude Thing no, that she's going in new direction. That what I was could... what I was thinking about was that she was going to try to one up Beyonce. Oh. That she was going to mm. try to come up with some kind of like platform, some kind of. I mean, I said hologram, but there would mm-hmm. be there would be some big twist rather than just plop. Here's an album. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, what is your prediction for 2018, Thompson? Well, first of all, obligatory Oscar pick. We will see a decent number of diverse nominees, including a very very strong push for Get Out, and the winner will be the whitest movie ever made, The Post. There has never been and will never be a movie whiter. In a similar vein, the album of the year and the Grammys will be Lord's Melodrama. Dictionary.com's word of the year for 2017 is complicit. I predict that next year's Dictionary.com word of the year will be reckoning. In researching this prediction, I found an article in the Chicago Tribune by Mary Schmick where she said reckoning should be the word of the year for 2017. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think in 2018, that is going to come in even mm. stronger with, I think, some very positive and hopeful pop cultural ramifications. Mm-hmm. I predict there will be an opening on late night TV for a talk show. I'm not necessarily saying somebody gets canceled. Maybe there's a new show. That host will not be named Jimmy, James, Seth, or unfortunately for my own ambition, Stephen. Uh-huh. <laughs> a major network, I'm talking about ABC, NBC, CBS, or Fox, uh, will follow BET's lead and hire a woman to be the host of a late night talk show. I think you are going to see job after job where men slide out, women slide in. Mm -hmm. And second of all, I predict that a film with a budget north of $100 million will have to be shelved at the last minute because of sexual misconduct at the Mm. hands of a star who cannot be replaced with Christopher Plummer. (laughs) (laughs) That is bold. That is bold, buddy. I like it. So I wanted to give you a quantifiable metric. That's quantifiable. Its budget will be north of $100 million. Mm -hmm. That is quantifiable. Thank you very much, Stephen Thompson. All right, Glenn Weldon, let us review your prediction for 2017. Linda Holmes, what do these things have in common? Boy Meets World, Twin Peaks, Will and Grace, X-Files, Full House, The Tick, and Mystery Science Theater. Hmm. All Uh, coming back in one form or another, right? Oh, yeah. All came back in one form or another. I am going to predict, using a, an elaborate algorithm I created, exactly what will be relaunched, uh-huh. it, just for like a one-off thing, not like a whole new series, but yes. which, I like which show I'm will in. be relaunched. Do it. Okay, okay. so peak nostalgia. Sure. If you look at this yeah. chart, this oh, handy-dandy chart, chart I have uh, developed here. So on your uh, on your x-axis, you got the years, starting on the far right with 2016 and going yeah. back to 1980. On the y-axis, you have the percentage chance it will be rebooted in 2017. And right here, the dotted line is that's the 50% mark. Note that the chances for something being rebooted in 2017 increase around 1986 and end around 2001, <laughs> peaking in 19. 19- 95. That's the yeah, top of the bell curve. That's so, the sweet spot. So here's what I'm narrowing it down to. Not Murphy Brown, not Mad About You, Helen Hunt's not coming back, not Northern Exposure. Rob Morrow was done with that show even before it was done. I'm narrowing it down to Frasier, <laughs> although Kelsey Grammer doesn't need any money. He owns several uh, tropical islands. So uh-huh. they would need to throw <laughs> a lot of money at that to okay. make that happen. Blossom, Saved by the Bell, Family Matters. Family uh-huh. Matters will be rebooted uh-huh. in 2017. So say I. <laughs> so say okay. I. 
Wow. Reginald Bell Johnson, <laughs> call your agent. <laughs> How'd it go, buddy? Uh, it didn't. It didn't. But you can't say that 2017 didn't take me on a roller coaster ride of family matters related right. emotions and suspense. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't my data that was wrong, it was reality. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> huh. um, so, Interesting, Glenn. <laughs> August 2nd, 2017, ET exclusive. Jaleel White open to Family Matters reboot. Oh, we all thought you were so smart when that happened. August 18, 2017. See how fast this is moving. Hulu picks up streaming rights to TGIF lineup, including Family Matters. So it's going to be out there in the ether now. Mm-hmm. Now it's going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. this is what I call momentum. Yeah. September 21st, 2017, a little bit of a curveball, the Family Matters house to be demolished. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's like, oh, okay. setback, setback. But keeping it in the air. Why would people care about this if Family Matters wasn't a thing? <laughs> September 28th, again, a week later, September 28th, <laughs> 2017, Chicago Tribune. Family Matters cast reunites, mm. talks hope of revival. Mm-hmm. Four days later, Jaleel White shoots down Family Matters reboot. Mm. Okay? It was, I, I'm spent. Uh, I was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, but here's the thing. You got really you were, close. I got really, really close. close. I mean, you were close. thinking exactly the right kind yeah. of thing where mm. people would float it at least as an idea. And they would consider and people it, would be maybe. talking about it. The other thing is people have shot down a whole lot of things that have mm-hmm. later happened anyway. That's certainly true. So, you know, watch this space. But so my algorithm predicts the odds of any given property being rebooted. Now we just kind of have to take that curve from last mm-hmm, year mm-hmm. and move it forward by one. Mm-hmm. So now if they experience their cultural moment between 1996 and 2001, and reach peak nostalgia, uh, which is about 70% chance of reboot, in 1995. So now we're looking at 1995. Now, reasonable scientists may disagree with my uh, methodology in Mm. that do we measure the cultural moment when it was at kind of peak saturation or... unreasonable scientists (laughs) might. Or do we measure, which is much cleaner, by the year it premiered. See that? So I'm going here by year it premiered, which is not... I might need to make some adjustments. That's okay. That's okay. But it's a lot cleaner. So... What, we must ask ourselves, premiered in 1996. (laughs) Nash Bridges, nope. (laughs) No one is clamoring, that's A. And also, the other thing about this is who are the people who are clamoring for these reboots right now? They are in their 30s and 40s, which means that they must have been watching these shows in 1996 when they were teens and 20s. And Nash Bridges, (laughs) say what you will, (laughs) does not fit that model. Nash Bridges' audience has passed. Well, no, they're just they're just not the people who are hankering yeah. for these reboots right mm-hmm. now. They're they're, you know, okay. So, Spin City, nope. Mm-hmm. Sabrina the Teenage Witch, well, funny that, story, that is... nope, because uh that is a reboot based off of the Riverdale phenomenon, mm-hmm. not the 90s mm-hmm. uh Melissa Joan Hart vehicle. I'm going to say that's correlation not causation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There's oh, been a lot of talk. No. I just don't see it happening. Yeah. 7th Heaven, nope, for <laughs> I forgot about reasons. that. Reasons. Third Rock from the Sun, well, French Stewart is sitting by the phone, but yeah. I think that's probably about it. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves Raymond. They couldn't pay him enough. And anyway, without the parents, you don't have that show. Right. Mm-hmm. Moesha, bing. Mm-hmm. Moesha. Yeah. Moesha. Moesha is a good possibility. Why is that a good <laughs> possibility? Glenn, I've I always thought about Moesha. Glenn, I've always thought of you as our Moesha correspondent. <laughs> November 3rd, 2017, deadline. Quote, Moesha reboot in the works? Question mark. Cast weighs in. Uh, Hollywood Reporter, Moesha stars have emotional reunion, comma, talk, potential, reboot. Put my money down. Moesha, 2018. <laughs> Moesha, reboot. 2018. All right, Glenn, this is, this is the hill. We've got to make you a, like a campaign sign. Like a political campaign thing. sign. Moesha, 2018. Moesha, 2018. I mean, but if, if you end up affecting it, you know, if you, if you are oh, the yeah. one that makes That's it happen, true. does Imagine. that still work? It's not yeah. me, Kat. It's science. <laughs> 
Yeah. Right. So oh, that's I'm is so that your sorry. prediction? That is my that is my prediction. Glenn's prediction for 2018, Moesha 2018. <laughs> Thank wow. you very much, Glenn Weldon. I'm almost spent by that, but <laughs> we will move on. Cat Chow, here is your prediction for 2017. On TV shows, I think that we're going to be seeing more storylines that have to do with immigrant narratives and narratives about people of color that are directly linked to the news. And these are going to be TV shows where we might not necessarily expect that. So for Fresh Off the Boat, for example, before the election, there was a very kind of what felt like a ham-handed attempt at looking at immigration. And it was the episode called Citizen Jessica, where Jessica, who's played by Constance Wu, she's the mother, she was the quote-unquote good immigrant, and there was a quote-unquote bad immigrant. And the overall message is that we should be more welcoming to immigration and immigrants. And I think that as a new presidency unfolds, I think that TV writers are going to be looking to bring those themes more into their plots. Hmm. So how do you think your prediction worked out? Man, well, now that I'm listening to it, I realize that that wasn't really a measurable thing because I think I was trying to get at the inundation that I expected Mm -hmm. to see. And I don't think it's necessarily untrue, but I think that I thought that basic cable shows or like just network shows would more explicitly take these things on. You still have shows like, I mean, This Is Us or Blackish even or Jane the Virgin, which you would expect sort of making reference of either the election or political things. But I I don't necessarily feel like I am overwhelmed with seeing these narratives happen. Yeah, I think it has definitely happened to some degree. I think Mm -hmm. you can point to some examples. But it does take a while for television to react to things, I think, a lot of the time. I agree with you that there hasn't been that much, but there's definitely been some. Now, Kat, you had a specific thing about home improvement shows, maybe getting hosts of color. And so the fixer-uppers are stepping down, yes. um, leaving yes. a hole there. Do you, do you think oh my gosh. Did you hold on to your prediction? This actually um, links very well to my 2018 prediction. <laughs> hit it. Oh. Hit it. Okay. So I'm actually very happy to say that I think that in 2018, Drew from Property Brothers, <laughs> the lesser Property Brother. Oh, <gasps> oh. oh. Oh, we're going to get mail. <laughs> no, it's okay. People I love you both. Me. I love you both, Property Brothers. People can fight me on this. I am really team Jonathan. He's the one who rolls his sleeves up and, you know, he, he no, makes right. things I happen. Mean, you're right. But all that being said, I do think that Drew and his girlfriend, Linda Pham, are going to get a show, their own show on HGTV, because I think that HGTV has really been struggling to fill that charming Chip and Jojo fixer-upper spot because, I mean, okay, let's think about what has happened in 2017 Uh with HGTV as a network where we had the kind of semi-scandalous ending of Flip or Flop. Yep. For the most part, they sort of franchised out the replacements for Flip or Flop with, you know, very hetero, very white couples. I mean, with a few exceptions that looked like them. And when just like watching the watching the pilots of these, I I just felt like, oh man, HGTV really needs to find a duo that can kind of, you know, hit that easy sort of affable spot that HGTV is lacking right now. And I was watching an episode of I think it was Brothers at Home where uh-huh, Drew and uh-huh. Linda are fixing their marital house in LA, which is like this enormous 
multi-million dollar house that is already beautiful. But I noticed that they also have an amazing TV chemistry. The ease that um, Linda Pham, who is his fiance, the the ease in which she kind of just navigates the camera. I kept thinking, like, I, I wonder if this is them testing out the couple. I bet. I bet. So I would actually be very curious to see what happens to Property Brothers if Drew and Linda have their own show. Well, they've already got a bunch of shows. The yeah. brothers already have multiple shows that right. run. So. so maybe Jonathan will do his own thing. Maybe maybe he'll get more into acting. Who knows? Magic. Maybe he'll, <laughs> maybe he'll do more magic. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you very much, Kat Chow. So you are predicting Drew Scott and Linda Pham, new show in yep. 2018. 2018. That is going to happen. That is a good, measurable, yep. solid Thank prediction. Thank you. I'm, yeah. I'm actually very excited to win that prediction. It's a great one. I am going to make a much less uh, solid one. But first, let's look at my prediction for 2017. My other prediction is that this year you're going to see the first breakout fiction podcast. Now, hmm. I want to I want to make a point. I'm not saying first important or good or beloved fiction podcast. A lot of times you'll hear that and it kind of sweeps under the rug stuff like Night Vale and and other shows that I absolutely don't mean to slight. There's a difference between groundbreaking and breakout. I mean breakout like as in what Cereal, Cereal yeah. was yeah. for uh, for nonfiction podcasts, meaning the one where people who don't think of themselves as into a thing or are very casual followers suddenly are talking about the thing. Like when I heard about cereal from two ladies literally under hair dryers at my salon. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see a fiction podcast in 2017 that gets that kind of, of momentum and starts to kind of change that conversation so that fiction podcasts are not treated like a lesser relative mm-hmm. of nonfiction podcasts as they often are now. So... Hmm. Let us discuss. I do not think that that happened to the degree that you would hear about it uh, from, you know, salon hairdryer people. Right. However, I do think Homecoming out of Gimlet in particular was a step forward in that it starred, you know, Catherine Keener Mm -hmm. and Oscar Isaac and a bunch of other people. Right. Mm -hmm. And I do think it moved that conversation and that's now going to be a television project. Mm -hmm. And... You know, it's a little bit of a cheat to judge the success of a fiction podcast by its being converted into a piece of television fiction. Sure. I will say I don't think that that happened in 2017. I mm-hmm. think the continuing interest in Homecoming out of Gimlet is as close as we've gotten. Right. A lot of that was being released in 2016. Mm-hmm. That's probably what I was thinking about when I made this prediction, <laughs> as a matter of fact. I would say the bigger news is, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the TV adaptation of that, which does continue to kind of push forward that conversation. But it hasn't happened yet the way that I thought it would. So I did not get that one right. Right. My big prediction for 2018, unfortunately, as I said to Kat, is not as measurable as some others. But I think this will be the year that the successes of both This Is Us on NBC and The Good Doctor on ABC motivate a move by broadcast networks back to trying to make prestige versions of broadcast shows instead of trying to make cable shows. Because Mm. for a while, broadcast was kind of chasing cable drama, very serialized, prestige kinds of stuff. And some of it was very good. American Crime is a great example. But they've had actually more success in the last couple of years with things that really feel like broadcast television shows just made really well. This Is Us is kind of a traditional, you know, 30-something type of family show with multiple 
multiple stories. The Good Doctor is, you know, it's a medical show. Mm -hmm. It takes place at a hospital. And I think part of what broadcast is doing is getting back to making the stuff that it has always made only really well. And I don't necessarily know that we've seen the best of that yet. And I think some of that will be coming in 2018 because typically, as we were talking about earlier, it takes a little time for television to react. And Mm -hmm. I think it's still figuring out how to react to This Is Us. A lot of people expected a bunch of family dramas this season, but that didn't happen because the cycle's a little longer than that Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. with with that kind of show. So I expect that you will see prestige broadcast shows rather than broadcast trying to make broadcasty cable shows. Gotcha. That is my trend prediction mm-hmm. for 2018. Now, we are very curious to hear what you have experienced in the last 12 months, how your resolutions went, what you're resolving for the next 12 months. Come and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH or tweet us at PCHH. When we come back, it will be time to talk about what's making us happy this week. So come right back. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Hulu. With the largest streaming library full of your favorite reality TV shows, Hulu is the home for reality TV's biggest fans. Catch all the drama, all the tears, all the heartbreak, all the competition. Because Hulu has your reality TV. Start your free trial today. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome back to Pop Culture Happy Hour. It's time for our favorite segment of this week and every week, What is Making Us Happy This Week? Stephen Thompson, what is making you happy this week? I am a simple man with simple needs. Well, that's true. And what is, what is making me happy this week is old dog memes, namely Fritz, the golden retriever that can't catch food. Yes. <laughs> now, oh, now, now, one of the great things about especially your dog memes and stuff. It doesn't matter that this came out a couple years ago. These things can come back and a whole new generation of people who weren't checked in when they first came around had missed them. I recently discovered Fritz for the first time and it is making me incredibly happy. Now, Fritz, the golden retriever that can't catch food, you may guess, is a golden retriever that can't catch food. Mm -hmm. And so what you get is a compilation video in which the unseen owner lobs a piece of food. It could be a burger, a hot dog, a piece of asparagus, a cantaloupe, strawberry, sushi, steak, taco, donut, noodles. Who can catch a cantaloupe? Well, yeah, or like noodles. In Fritz's defense, Fritz actually turns his head at the cantaloupe and the cantaloupe kind of plops him on the cheek. I think Fritz is like, no. Yeah. (laughs) But it is an enormously funny, uh, beautifully edited piece where where (laughs) you get the kind of cumulative comedy of it being you see the food and then you see it lobbed and then there's just another one and then the dog just somehow doesn't catch it. Delightful. Mm. So what is making me happy this week? Fritz, the golden retriever that can't catch food. Thank you very much, Stephen Thompson. Glenn Weldon, what is making you happy this week? If At Home with Amy Sedaris on True TV was just a parody of homemaking shows, it'd be fine. I'd probably watch it because I love Amy Sedaris. But it is instead, in addition to deeply funny demented slash surreal that reminds me with its kind of meta she's doing a show and she knows she's doing a show it's in the tradition of SCTV more than anything I've seen uh, recently the cast includes Cole Escola in drag which is good because if I'm going to watch a homemaking show I want a drag queen on it. Did you guys watch Brini Maxwell? Ever watch the Brini Maxwell show? Mm-mm. No. Brini Maxwell was a drag queen who had a homemaking show but it was very circumspect very she was playing it straight 
so to speak. This is not that. <laughs> this is much broader. Uh, Heather Lawless is on it from Wonder Showsen and The Heart She Holler, who is fantastic. People who have appeared on it include Scott Adsit and Todd Barry and John Early and Stephen Colbert and Rachel Drash and Chris Elliott and Christopher Maloney and Jane Krakowski doing a great job. Start with the episode called Holidays. I know the holidays have passed, but you want to start with the episode called Holidays because in that episode, Amy's plans for a warm and wonderful Christmas special kind of bleed over into Karen Black in Trilogy of Terror, <laughs> and it's just fantastic. So that is At Home with Amy Sedaris on True TV. Thank you very much, Glenn Weldon. Kat Chow, what is making you happy this week? Oh, man, what is making me so happy this week and has been making me happy for many weeks has been these things that Phil Yu, who is angry Asian man, absolutely, um, has been posting on Instagram. So if you go to his Instagram account, his handle is angry Asian man. He's been posting these hilarious remakes of Babysitter's Club covers. So the Babysitter's Club series had this character named Claudia Kishi. She was the only Asian American character who I basically saw in books when I was growing up. And Babysitter's Club also happened to be set in Connecticut. So it was very resonant for me as being the only Asian person in Connecticut. But anyway, so (laughs) these covers that Phil is posting are just so funny because he's taking these images of actual Babysitter's Club covers that Claudia Kishi is in. So there's one, for example, where she's in this hospital bed and she has her foot in a cast and she's surrounded by these like two nice, kind looking white children who are giving her flowers. And the caption that has been photoshopped onto this cover is, Claudia suspects it was racially motivated. (laughs) (laughs) And then my other favorite one (laughs) is, Claudia is, you know, she's sitting at this lunch table all by herself, and she's like looking really sullen. And in the background, there are all of these other white kids who are at other tables. And the title is, Claudia Kishi, the only Asian at this damn school. (laughs) And it's just... So good because they're so subtle. And when you first look at them, you're like, oh, this is just like this is like the Babysitter's Club book that I read. And then you're like, wait, that is it's it's amazing. Everyone needs to see it. It's really great. Thank you very much, Kat Chow. Making me happy this week is hope. And hope came to me in the form of a tweet uh, that I recently saw from Idris Elba in which he posted a photo of himself with Hugh Jackman. And they were both in suits, both looking very, very attractive and cool. And under it, it said something about, uh, hey, Hugh Jackman. And then it said, Sky and Nathan. And if you are a musical theater person, you know that those are the characters in Guys and Dolls. Those are the male characters in Guys and Dolls, Sky Masterson and Nathan Detroit. Now, I have no idea whether Idris Elba can sing. Maybe Idris Elba can sing. I have genuinely not a clue. How Wouldn't that be unfair? Yeah. However, <laughs> it was an example of what happened. And I have to thank the writer, Esther Zuckerman, who originally shared this. It is an example of how there is always hope that there is a project around the corner that will thrill you to your core. Yes. Now, in all likelihood, this is nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And it's possible that in the time between when I saw it and when you hear this, they will have already said It's crazy. We would never. However, hope is when you see something and some part of yourself is able to imagine. There have been rumors for years that Channing Tatum and Joseph Gordon-Levitt were going to star in some Guys and Dolls situation, which I also think, by the way, is a great idea. But yeah, the point is 
as we begin 2018, it's very important to keep in mind that there is always the possibility that something you have never even dreamed of will a dog, come. A dog that can catch <laughs> <laughs> will come Lion true. King. And let me add, right after this came around, someone else said, can Tiffany Haddish sing as if she has a cold? And if you know guys and dogs, you know what a great idea that also is. Uh So Making Me Happy This Week is hope. Now, before we go, so many of you have been supporting our show by supporting your local station, and we hope that more of you are going to continue to do that. When you give at donate.npr.org slash happy, it helps keep public radio going. It also gives us a point in our massive ongoing battle with Sam Sanders and the NPR Politics Podcast and Peter Sagal uh, and all the other podcasts to see who has the most generous and devoted fans. So we appreciate that so much. And if you add the hashtag WhyPublicRadio and you tell us why you give, that will keep that conversation going because that's also so important. And that brings us to the end of our show. You can find all of us on Twitter. You can follow me at NPRMonkeyC. You can follow Stephen at I Dislike Stephen and Glenn at G.H. Weldon and Kat at Cat Chow, that's K-A-T-C-H-O-W. You can follow our producer, Jessica Reedy, at Jessica underscore Reedy, and our producer, Emeritus and Music Director, Mike Katzif at Mike Katzif, K-A-T-Z-I-F. Mike's band, Hello, Come In, provides our in-and-out music, which you are bobbing your head to right now. Thanks to all of you guys for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening, and if you have a second and you're so inclined please give us a loving review on Apple Podcasts that will help more folks find the show. We will see all of you back here next week.